You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Well, welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio. Shannon, it's so good to see you there with the hat on and Hey, or, baseball cap in it for you today, Corey. Or as as I have discovered from the new country song in in your snapback. I don't know if you ever heard that phrase before. Snapback. Snapback. What the heck is that? That's what that's a popular country song right now. I don't know who it's by off the top of my head, but it's a snapback. You know, the hats are snapbacks on the. Oh. It's talking about how the girl looks really good in her snapback. Like, yeah, but it, it's cuter when she has the ponytail dangling out. But at 48, ponytails are, the, are history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had, I just, yeah. yeah, I got rid of ponytails a long time ago as well in my, in my life. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I could envision you with a ponytail <laughs> or a mullet or anything of that nature. <laughs> I, I had both uh, at some point in my life, and we'll just leave you wondering that visual. Uh, hey, bring bring that senior picture to the Sexy Marriage Radio getaway. Let's let's do it. Let's bring our senior pictures to the getaway. Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow, that was that was a long, long time ago. <laughs> hey, speaking of getaway, away. yes, <laughs> we've got the early bird registration deadline coming up. Yes, here April first, weeks. Yep, registration is still going on now. Uh, there's still spaces, and it's early bird discount season, and. Yep. June twenty third like to the twenty sixth. Yep, you can come for six twenty five as a registration fee. So, it's it's going to be worth it coming. And it's one thing I want to bring up because this dovetails right into the conversation we're having. Is yeah, do we have any quick counsel for those people that are fence sitters on should we go? One spouse is in, one spouse, eh, not so sure. Yeah, isn't that always the way that it works? Always. Uh, yeah, it's kind of the high desire, low desire. Yep. Uh, there has to be a balance. So the one who's just like eager beaver to come probably has a uh, a tortoise of a spouse going, well, I don't know. Or Eeyore. How, how about we say Eeyore? Okay. Oh, poo. I don't I just don't know about that. <laughs> right. Um, I think that most likely there's some sort of fear or anxiety behind that hesitation. And I'm sure that it's different for every person. Right. Maybe it's social anxiety. Maybe there's an emotional anxiety. Maybe there's an anxiety about talking about the taboo topic of SEX because it just hasn't been done in their yep. family of origin or yep. their, the church they grew up in or whatever. But I think bigger than anything is there's a fear of either what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. Okay. But I'm going to be real. I, th- I think that there was at least two of the couples last time that they were very vulnerable and honest that last day and saying, you know, we came here thinking that we were going to have this rip in sex and we didn't, but we did manage to get to some deeper issues as to why we hadn't been having great sex historically. So I think that they were leaving with some hope of at yeah. least it gave us some breakthroughs. So I think that, you know, yeah, look at your expectations of, are, are you looking for a short-term fix to hang from the chandeliers in the really nice hotel rooms? Or are you looking for long-term solutions and remedies for any patterns that have, that have been a part of your history that you could create a whole new era as a result of this getaway? Right. And yeah, and I'll even take it a quick outside of that, because if you look at the different meanings we have and the different struggles that we have in life outside of just our marriage that I have, I love it. I have a couple I just started working with that, they came in and they were, they were like, we do all this stuff professionally, 
We do all this stuff trying to grow. Why do we not do it for our marriage? You know, why do we not invest the time? Why do we not? Why, why am I afraid or scared or nervous about seeking help? And so some of it is that of, I, I just don't know, how do I allocate time or funds or, or both towards, towards something like this? Because it is an investment. It, I get it. Sure. But it's also an investment that pays dividends for years and years and years. And so Absolutely. it's recognizing. And, and when you look at the cost per day, yeah. oh my gosh. I mean, it's, it's not even $200 a day. It's maybe like $175 a day. That's what you're going to pay for one hour of professional counseling. Right. And so it's and recognizing. Hours and hours. It's recognizing the meaning that we have to say, hey, I understand that money was tight, but, but this is worth it. This is a priority. So that it, you are a priority. Right. Quality but, time with you is a priority. But then that also leads right into what we're talking about today of there is just a bent. And okay, this is a really bad way to, a negative way to kind of spin it. But we talk about high desire, low desire all the time. So if you think about it on the flip of that, in your relationship, one person is going to be a complainer. One person's going to be negative compared to the other. So how do you deal you with, yeah. how do you deal yeah. with, if you could look at it, think of, think of your own relationship. And if your spouse is typically the happy-go-lucky one, yeah, you're the negative one. <laughs> That's, I mean, I, I, I have a funny story of um, some really good friends of ours that their daughter is, is, was going through, is going through school for psychology, for school psychology. And she was sitting in class, and it was a group session, and they're talking. And every single one of them is talking about experiences of being bullied in school. And she's sitting there thinking, I don't, I was never bullied. And then it dawned, she was maybe the bully. I'm the bully, you know? And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's kind of humbling, you know? But mm-hmm. okay, I think there's benefit from looking at what do we, ha- we have to live with people and we have to live with ourselves. And so yeah. the better I can have relationships on both sides of that relationship with myself and relationship with my person that I live with. I, I, everybody benefits. And so one of you is going to be more negative. One of you is going to be more chronically complaining. One of you is going to be more of the whiner. So how do you live with that? What do you, what can we do to help? Isn't it true that opposites attract that usually someone who does look at life through the lens of the glass is half full will have a tendency to attract someone that's kind of more glasses half empty. Right. Because I think that it makes you feel as if you are bringing something to the table to give balance to that other person. Right. And initially that person that's glass is half empty helps keep me, they're pragmatic. They're practical. Grounded. They're, yeah. It's, it keeps it my head out of the clouds. And practical. then after we An live, anchor. yeah, after we live for a while, they're smothering me. They're, they're that anchor turns into an anvil. Right. <laughs> right. So it's yeah. cement shoes. And, uh, and we want to thank the gal who shall remain nameless for this show idea, but it came from a feedback at Sexy Marriage Radio email. She says, I have a wonderful, competent, hardworking husband who is chronically negative, especially when it comes to our relationship and his ability to make me happy. He simply doesn't believe the compliments and gratitude that I express for him, even recently calling it propaganda. It's like he doesn't even hear it. He pushes and pushes until I actually do get upset with him. And then that is what he hears because only then are my real feelings coming out. 
She says, after years of this, I'm tired of trying to help him feel better about himself because when he doesn't seek my attention or initiate or dream with me, I'm just reading that as rejection. He doesn't really want me. Any advice you might be able to give would be very appreciated. Yeah. So it sounds like the negativity has bled over into her world too. She's letting him drag her down. But it's, you know, they say that um, it is much easier for someone to drag you down off of a table than for you to pull them up off the table. Yes. So I can see how this dynamic would, would mean that they're both in the pits before they're ever both on top of the mountain. But I, I hate to see her go that direction. Uh, because if she recognizes that this is him viewing life and in the relationship through a lens of rejection for her to, to go down to his level, what, what purpose does that serve? Right. It, it's, it's not productive at all. Right. But how does a woman pull her husband back up? Um, I don't think she does. Um, I, I think she can, conf- I'm, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> I, I think, I think she confronts herself enough to know what do I need to do for me? That's right. And to give space for my spouse to have to feel the weight of themselves. Yeah. I don't think that anybody can prop their spouse up for any length of time and not feel crushed yeah. under the weight yeah. of that. And that you're right. I I think that it's every spouse's responsibility to look at their own journey and where they are and and what destination are they aiming for and how do they need to correct their course to to be on target. Um, But a spouse, a spouse can call attention. They can they can like wave the flag saying, absolutely, you're off course and therefore we are off course because you are 50 percent of this equation. But they cannot fix it. And, and spouses who think that it's their job to fix it will wear themselves out. I think that that's when the Messiah complex comes in, that they think they can save their spouse. And we all know what happened to the real Messiah. He was crucified. Right. And that's usually what happens right. is the spouse just feels crucified. Well, it has to be an internally motivated change. Okay. It, okay. It, it does. And it, it, well, it, to me, it's a both and still that, a bulk, a lion's share is going to be on each individual person. I mean, the, the, the general rule I always counsel is whatever you're 100% responsible for, you are 100% responsible for it. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're not 100% responsible for, you're not at all responsible for it. Okay. And so it's really just recognizing my attitude, my outlook, my intent, my drive, my desire. That's my responsibility. Pam's is not mine. That's hers. And so I've got to give space and room, but I also have to make sure where the both and comes in is because what comes to my mind is a couple I worked with a long, long time ago where he was the negative one and it was always about money because they had been very, very successful in their mm-hmm. life. He, well, rephrase, he had been very successful in their life. Okay. She had chosen to give up her career for, for parenting. Both mm-hmm. of them chose it, which is which is still success in Absolutely. my opinion. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, yeah. It, it just coincided with they took the huge leap of I don't know how we're going to afford this, but let's do it. It's worth it. This yeah. is what we want to do. And all of a sudden, a new job came along for him, and he rocketed up the ladder. I mean, that's that's what happened. And so he was very very successful. Now all of a sudden, his job is con- consuming him. She's complaining. They're never. He's never around. 
he's all, what can I do because of the lifestyle we want to live? And she's now kids are grown and in school and high school and, and middle school by the time I'm working with them. And she's refusing to help take some of the burden. She's like, I love the lifestyle we've got. I don't want to change anything. So he feels stuck having to continue to fuel it. So that's where it's a both and mm. of if he was what they finally actually were able to say to each other is she was all, I didn't realize my holding on so tightly. What if we did this? What if we gave up this? What if, and that alleviated some because that's where we collude to help things happen. Yeah. So it's yeah. both of them being honest to, uh, to confront the stuff is what changes it. But it's recognizing I'm co-creating what's going on. So it's not just, you know what? You know, it's like if Shannon, if, if you and I were having a, a spat about something and I was all like, you know what, Shannon, that's yours. I don't even care. I don't, don't even bring it back up. I was like, well, no, that's that's too that's cold. That's impractical, especially if we were actually married to each other, which we're not if you're new to Sexy Marriage Radio. But <laughs> but it is the whole idea of, you know, if when you have those kinds of th- times, I'm responsible for me. And so right. if I own that, that's how I start to change it. Yeah. And I was trying to think of, you know, what are the main areas where this chronic negativity will creep up? And uh, you're, you just touched on one. I think that definitely that income earning ability, that when that is compromised or when there's additional pressure there, uh, that creates all kinds of havoc in a marriage relationship. Yes. And the two things that people fight about most is sex and money. Yep. And so uh, that's certainly a big thing, especially in situations where if a man isn't earning as much money as his wife, or even if his wife is the sole income earner, I just think that that often will cause a man to spiral downward. Yep. Uh, we we actually had that in our marriage for maybe three to four years. And Greg realized that this does not work. Uh, it, it just, it created a dynamic that we did not want in our marriage relationship. So I chose to step back. He chose to step back into the workplace and we like it that way. I just think that men's shoulders are wired to handle that kind of pressure a lot better yeah. than women's shoulders. Yeah. But I had to be the one to speak up, to say, this is what I'm noticing. You don't seem to have as much zest for life. You don't seem to feel as good about yourself. And I seem to feel more pressure than I really want to carry around the rest of my life. And so just being honest and authentic about who you are and what you're feeling in the relationship is often what's needed to call attention to how the spouse is feeling. Maybe they don't even know what they're feeling until you bring it up. Right. Um, so to initiate those conversations, very important. But in addition to income earning ability, we got to talk about self-esteem. We got to talk about body image. <laughs> right. Because we've had several emails lately <laughs> right. uh, from people saying, you know, my spouse is, isn't just, you know, a little on the fluffy side after having kids or, or, or as he's going through middle age, that they're like teetering toward obese and that it's not sexy to them. And that that's a really difficult dynamic. Right. I definitely think that the spouse who's doing the overeating has to realize that this is on you, pal. This is no one's holding a gun to your head, making you eat the second Subway sandwich or whatever. And you got to figure out what are you really trying to feed? Right. Like I, I remember one time there was a gal at women at the well who, I mean, she was, she was very, very large. And we had this exercise where um, I was holding her and, and just letting her get in touch with what's coming up inside of her brain and body as I'm holding her like a baby, basically. And it just clicked in her mind. And she said, I think that the reason that I just keep stuffing food inside my body is because I feel so empty 
And I feel as if that's the only way I would ever not feel empty is if I'm just so full all the time. And since that time, she has lost several pounds. We're talking like 30, 40 pounds right. type of thing. So for people to realize what is really going on inside of me that's creating my need for whether it's a wall of insulation or whether it's just rejecting my spouse or keeping them at arm's length, um, you got to look at those dynamics within yourself because right. yeah, you can't always figure it out in your spouse, but you can figure it out in yourself. True. And then you can start to uh, reframe it or or use it for good to digest it and use it for something good because you know, all of us get into that. We, we, we started the show with this in a sense of, you know, I'm more negative. Well, no, I think of myself as pragmatic. Well, okay. It's just a spin, but it's the same thing depending on context. So it's recognizing I have a tendency. I'll, I'll speak from my own experience. I have a tendency to be the homebody that, that likes change the least compared yeah. to Pam. Yeah. As long as it's on, you know, and it, well, it's also according to different topics, I guess. But in, in, on the whole of how we live life, I have the comfort zone threshold that's smaller than hers. Okay. And so I have to confront when that's real and, and helpful versus I'm holding us back here. I'm holding me back here because of fear, because of uncertainty, because of unknown. And that's my crucible. That's my journey that... If I don't confront that, I diminish everything around me. I diminish everyone around me because yeah. I hold them to the tyranny of the lowest common denominator, which is me. That's it. You you shrink their world to right. match yours. And that's yeah. not fair. And I do it, I do it, really in the, I, I do it under the umbrella of love. Well, if you love me, you would live according to my limitations. Ooh. I mean, yeah, playing that love card is kind of like playing the God card. But isn't that the way it's we do it, though? I mean, I, it's not yeah. an overt. I don't say it that way, but that's what I'm thinking, that if, if right. you love me, you would care about what I care about. Really? Mm -hmm. But if we love our spouse we will be willing to step outside of our comfort zone to enter the world that they want to live in with their spouse, at least for a little while. Okay. didn't have to be a permanent thing. Uh, kind of like last, uh, last show, I mentioned that Greg was seeking out dancing lessons. I don't know that we will become avid dancers that goes out all the time, follows the bands, uh, tears up the dance floor. But the fact that he's willing to do it some is enough. Right. It's enough. And so look at what can you do enough that it says to your spouse, you're important to me and right. I'm willing to be stretched outside of my comfort zone for you, babe, right. for you, I'll do anything. Right. If everybody had that attitude of for my spouse, if it means that much to my spouse, I would do anything. I would, I would at least give it a try. Okay. If you apply that to the sexual dynamic, think of how much that would spice things up. Yeah. Of, that's just, a, no matter what you want to try, I'm, I'm willing to give it a go as long as it's not incredibly painful or degrading. <laughs> Well, see, but that's where it's so freeing because think think of the experience that you've had with Greg o over the life of your relationship. That the times seven years, the times where you know going into it, um, this isn't in his wheelhouse. This isn't something he likes. This isn't you know. So we could come at it from the mindset of, okay, I either need to preface this so that it's as best on his terms as possible. So I at least get part, you know, and it, we can get so in, involved in convoluted games until we recognize, you know what, I need to give my partner the respect and the courtesy to handle themselves so I can do the same. 
So that way I could come to him and say, I know this is not in your wheelhouse. This is something I really want to do. Mm-hmm. Are you interested? Because maybe he's the type of man, and I know a little bit about him, that he probably is the type of man where he's, give me a little bit of time to yeah. get my head around that. I'm not going to be as right. gung-ho as my wife is. Yeah, this. I'm very trigger-happy, and he is very methodical right. in so, reasoning. So you, But you could see his, give me some time, as he's stonewalling. He's just... He's just avoiding. He's just all that kind of. I mean, we can. That's where we I could. Get, and I and I probably did earlier on, but I have learned to watch for the smoke coming out of his ears okay. because he is a very deep thinker. Right. And the fact that he's even seriously considering something just for my sake, that means a lot to me. Okay. And that's the difference is when I give my partner room. All of a sudden, now when I see them really step and bring themselves forward, I know they're confronting themselves, and at the same time, they're doing it for me. That speaks deeper than anything else could. Then, then the, because otherwise, it's this whole. I'm going to do this, you know. Like Shannon, you made a comment about dancing. I'm going to take. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, we're going to do dancing just because I know you like it, and I'm going to make sure you know that I'm doing it just because you know I like. It. You know, <laughs> no. Let me make sure you know what a martyr I'm being right. for you. <laughs> but that's the way we can play the game, and so this yeah. is. The, I'm flipping it to where this is where if I have to really muster up what's required for my own life and for my marriage. Now, all of a sudden, I'm demonstrating what it is I have always wanted from a partner. The chance to be chosen, the chance to be cherished. Yeah. That's a huge difference. That is. It's a huge difference. And, 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 And little progress goes a long way. We don't, I mean, that's the whole thing is I think of lots of times when we get into really tough spots in relationships, we think of the end result, don't we? Of like, okay, well, this better be happening rather than, no, no, no. We just moved from three to 3.2 on the continuum. That's huge. That gives me a huge boost. Right. And you never know just how many times that could happen before the seesaw kind of teeters in the other direction, because it doesn't take a lot of momentum to move it in one direction or the other when you're close to the fulcrum. Right. So yeah, I definitely think that that fear of failure uh, is a huge thing that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay. And that so oftentimes the chronically negative spouse is just under the assumption, well, that's not going to work. Right. That's going to fail miserably. So I'm not even going to try. So you know what? It did. It just failed miserably because right. you didn't even try. Um, I love prophecy. Jack Canfield's. Yeah, I love Jack Canfield's uh, uh, motto in a book called The Success Principles that I use with my Blast mentorship group. He says that if you try and you fail, you were no worse. You are no worse off than you were before you even tried. Right. It, you right. didn't lose anything by trying. Right. But by not trying, you just lost the opportunity to win. Right. And so you have to live by that principle of I'm going to step up to the plate and I'm going to swing. Even if I miss, even if I miss three times and strike out, I'll never hit a home run. I'll never even make it to first base if I don't even step up to the plate and swing. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that's don't where you love it when a girl tries to use a sports analogy. No, no, no. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. At it... least I didn't say touchdown and refer to in, in reference to that's, baseball. That's true. <laughs> Got well done on that one. But it's the idea if you, if you want something in life, you got to ask. I mean, I, I think I've mentioned this on the ask show before of every time I fly, I ask to ride first class. That, Ooh. Yeah. Have I not ever said that to you before? No. But, yeah. Anytime 
when I obviously it's changed now as the years have gone on and and flights have gotten more and more full and more and more restrictions and all that. But yeah, every time I get on a plane, whoever the flight attendant is that's standing there in the galley when you first board the plane, I take a quick glance to first class, and if it's not very full, I ask, "Hey, can I ride first class?" Aren't you ballsy? Well, <laughs> Sorry, I don't know any other words. They've never. I've, I have yet to be thrown off a plane for asking the for question. For asking, yeah, but, yeah. But you may twice, get a no, but... but twice I have phoned first class just because I asked. Because <laughs> the seat was available. Absolutely, and you had yeah. The it was, it was, and both of them were later in in the evening, so they weren't very full, and they were you know just an hour or two long flight. But that got me a meal, and a dessert, and a drink. For mm-hmm. just and a pair of warm asking. socks. And yeah, I mean, all I, I, all to- I had to do was ask. Every other time it's been, I'm sorry, <laughs> sir, no. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I just go have a seat. I love a man who is willing to step forward and ask for what he wants. But I really want to encourage women. Yeah. That they, need, they need to do the same. Yeah. There is something very appealing about a woman who is confident enough to say, hey, this is what I want. Like, yep. I, I immediately think of when Pam said to you, uh, you're not done. Right. <laughs> like, you're. You know, like it's, yeah, it's your right, turn. You right. know? Um, so yeah, I, I just think that women need to get in touch with what they want. Yeah. And, and I learned a long time ago that if Greg will just take a few minutes to rub lotion between his hands to make it really warm, I don't like cold lotion and then just rub my feet firmly with his big, strong hands for two to three minutes, Right. he can pretty much do whatever he wants to do to the rest of my body. If he right. will just start with, feet. Just, right. but for me to ask for what I need is so important right because it's don't, not always on your spouse's radar right, they don't we often mind. then yeah don't we often go around with the little oh man my feet are really hurting statements or the <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah i mean that but that's because that's what i want us to recognize as people is that's the way we want to play the game but that doesn't work well for us that yeah. i want to be in a relationship where my spouse reads me and knows the tea leaves every time yeah. No, but yeah, it doesn't work that way because it's a humbling thing to come to grips with. You're not as important to your spouse as you'd like to think you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't it's, think that's a bad thing at all. Yeah. Um, and the two other examples that I immediately think of is if I had never sent a first manuscript to an agent with the confidence that I could write a book. Yep. It would have never happened. There was never going to be an agent or publisher knocking on my door saying, we think you have a book somewhere inside of you. We want to help you birth it. No, no, no. You have to put yourself forward. Yep. Let them know what you're made of. Yeah, and how many rejection letters call. was it? 13 query letters and 13 rejections. Okay. So, I mean, I was at my rope's end yep. before the every woman's battle thing just fell in my lap as a result of sending it to a particular agent. Yeah. But the other scenario comes to mind is that you had to ask me to be co-host. I was not going to be like, okay, I listened to the show that you and Gina sent me and wow, I am so jealous. I would do anything to just knock Gina out of the way and do this with you, Corey. I would never have done that. Right. But you stepped forward and said, this is your wheelhouse. Let's do this. Right. And you didn't have to twist my arm. Right. So just that, that boldness of yep. know what you want and ask for it. Yeah. Vital. Uh, and let's- and don't let fear of failure be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because if you had assumed, oh, she's written 22 books in 25 languages, she's a million copy bestseller, she'd never do it, you would have been wrong. Okay, but and let, you would have missed let, the boat. I, I want to define failure real quick. Because what exactly does that mean? 
Yeah, it, that's true. Because if I had said no, it wouldn't have been failure. You would have just moved on to the next potential candidate. Right. Who may have been even better than I am. Right. But that was a fit. I was fishing for a compliment there. Wow. I'm teasing. Hold on. Do I have the cricket sound? Right on I, don't, I don't have the cricket sound anymore. Um, you just right on Gallivan. No, but but it is because I think we 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 take the term failure to the nth degree, to to the extreme. Yeah. So Charlie Brown. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I go down this path of, it, and it's so crazy that it's just that whole. You know, we're Pam and I are getting around the kitchen co- cooking. Hey, do you want uh, green beans with this, or do you want to do uh, edamame instead? Oh, I want to do edamame. Man, I, I want to do green beans. Well, let's, we're getting divorced. <laughs> you know, and it's just this whole, okay, don't we do that with our mind? We fill in the mm. slightest things, and it's so easy, depending for sure on upbringing and past and history, to just jump to, oh, well, rather than, no. all To me, failure is just another way to not succeed with what you're trying to get. And sometimes it takes a lot of failure before you ever do succeed. And that reminds me of an expression that Nicole Johnson, the dramatist for Women of Faith, said is that sometimes the biggest thing that we can do for our spouse is to forgive them for not being us. Okay. For not wanting the exact things that we want, the exact way that we want it, the exact timing that we want it. We have to forgive them for having their own opinions and agendas and just learn to make a mesh. To, to realize that they're not an emotional Siamese twin. Yeah. 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 That you're, you're, you're not joined at the hip. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah. that's the way we treat our spouse a lot is I want that, but then it's when they get too close, it's get out of my space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want what we can't have. Grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. It, it sure seems that way because it seems like if we could just have it easier with, if my spouse would just get on board with this and stop complaining and stop. Well, no, I think if somebody's negative, the goal is give them room to be completely negative and see what they do. Because then they can hit the bottom and bounce back. Well, the, at least you got more data. To know, I like the data thing. To, to then be able to say, look, I don't know what you want me to do about this. Yeah, but you're right. A researcher doesn't take data personally. Right. It's data, that's all it is. Right. Yeah. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Once again, trying to go where uh, where you want to go. And, yeah, and, where our and, listeners and want where us to Where you send us them. stuff at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, um, I hope it leads to a, a deeper connection. And I hope it leads, us, leads you to the DFW area, June 23rd to the 26th for the Sexy Marriage Radio getaway. So, La Meridian Hotel. It's going to be swanky. See you next time. We love you for listening.